The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is presented to you by MyBookie.ag. Right now to honor football season, MyBookie is offering you up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP. That's right, 1000 bucks in bonus bets for your first deposit when you use the promo code SGP. Play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. We're also brought to you by BetQL, the only app you'll need to outsmart Vegas and make smarter bets this season. You can track line movement history, score sharp data, and use a powerful algorithm that gives you the best plays available. If you're serious about making money this year in Vegas, you need a serious app. Head to the App Store or Google Play and download BetQL and make sure to follow them on Twitter at BetQL app. Football season is back and welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast after a very successful week one out there. Of course, again, special thanks to the BetSperts weekend and, the, and everyone that was involved in BetSperts, all the handicappers that came out, um, SGP for you know hooking us up at, at Legacy's that week. It was an absolutely incredible week of football and kind of meeting new friends and uh, seeing old ones. So I can't thank everyone involved in that enough. Of course, we did the BetSperts kind of tell-all episode and, and kind of inside their program and, and what they are looking to accomplish within the space last week. So we didn't hit on too much kind of direct into uh, NFL week one breaking down games and size and totals. And that's what we're going to do here. And of course we are welcoming on somebody, one of the only people who I know that does break down every single side and total when it comes to the national football league. Of course, my friend, Greg Peterson, give him a follow on Twitter at G unit underscore 81 co-host and producer of that's gold show. And of course, hosting MLB and college hoops, overtime betting, um, done everything in the space, man writes for the New York post, um, has hosted VEASAN, how is everything with you, man? And kind of, we're going to break down everything that comes with the volume style that you employ with baseball. And I um, would tell anyone to go listen to that episode because it really gives a fresh point of view in that and kind of how that differs from football. But of course, man, how's everything with you and how is your NFL and, and even I'll, I'll throw in college in there for football week one. Christian, I am doing great. Thank you. Football week one was going pretty well until the Detroit Lions decided to give back that 18 point lead against the Arizona Cardinals. But what are you going to do? I had the under and the Detroit Lions in that one. So I took away what would have probably been about a break even week and made it a little bit less than profitable. But you know what? That's the way that a lot of my NFL years have been starting. And I noticed that when you get into the NFL season, it gets easier and easier as it goes along because I've actually done the super contest twice. My best weeks have always been late in the year, at least for myself. That's how I feel about uh, baseball. Second half usually picks up for me. I feel like it's almost the opposite. I feel like I have more success in the first half, which is a little bit weird and counterintuitive because you're, you don't really know what teams are yet. Um, and kind of you're looking at last year's data and uh, everything that went into that, man. But let's talk about this volume style. And again, I know we talked about it when we did the baseball one, so I don't want to touch on that side of it too much. But I want to know kind of the biggest differences, of course. Um, I mean, look, you're talking, you know, 16, you know, with bye weeks, all that type of stuff, side in total, even more. You know, I guess the an NFL slate is kind of the same thing, you know, volume wise than a daily uh, baseball one. But is there anything specific differently that kind of uh, you notice the biggest, you know, again, you bet every side in total Major League Baseball and NFL. Any differences when it comes to volume betting, you know, kind of sport to sport? 
With NFL, I actually think it's a little bit easier because with baseball, you get those moves and they come quickly. Sometimes you just have a very finite couple minute window in order to be able to bet that number. In the NFL, what you want to do is you want to be having a lot more of your bets in before the weekend rather than waiting until kickoff because I know that a lot of the average Joes are getting in their bets on the NFL game Saturday and Sunday. It's really out of sight, out of mind. They're really looking at the games that are on Sunday. Meanwhile, when I'm watching these like week one games, I'm thinking, all right, where's this line going to be coming out week two? Where can I hammer it? Where can I find a little bit of an advantage? Because just take a look at so many of these games, like the New England Patriots line at some books opened up below 17. If you were able to get like a 16 or a 16 and a half, that's a big advantage to what we're seeing right now with right around the Patriots laying between 18 and a half and 19. That is so paramount. And then just being able to look at some of these critical numbers, games are crossing through it. And then just paying attention to the wire in general, because if you jumped on the Cleveland Browns early on in the week, right now you're thinking you're lucky stars. If you're laying less than a field goal, because when the Sam Darnold news hits, that line jumps by about four points. So I actually think that in NFL, it is easier to get those better numbers because you've got so much more time. Whereas in baseball, the lines are released the night before they sometimes play their games. What 16, 18 hours after that first initial line hits. Whereas in football, you've got a full week to be able to shop around. I do want to ask you this. I know we talked about it in the last one, but philosophically for you, what led you to the volume uh, betting style for anyone that didn't hear the baseball episode and is tuning in for the upcoming football season versus, uh, you know, picking and choosing your spots? What kind of advantages and I'll even say disadvantages have you found about this style where, again, you want to bet every single uh, play on the board side in total for the National Football League? Well, the diff, the disadvantages. When it rains, it pours, to say the least, because sometimes you take a couple bad beats and when you have a lot of bets and you take a lot of bad beats, sometimes you could just have some really, really bad weeks where you're just like, what in the heck am I doing? But the biggest advantage to me is you're able to make it up very quickly as well. And you're not putting a lot of money on these plays. So like in the Detroit Lions versus the Arizona Cardinals game. Yeah, it was very, very frustrating that I felt like I had a pretty good handicap on the Lions being able to win that game and keeping the game under. But at the same time, it's not like my entire week was shot because I put so much money just going all in on essentially what was my strongest play. So it is one of those things where it is both a blessing and a curse when you take those bad beats. And a big reason why I do my volume style is because I've done a variety of different betting. I've bet a very finite amount of games. I bet like a, like on a 15 game slate for a week, I'll bet like four or five. And then I've done the bet, the entire board system. And I found that the bet, the entire board system actually works for me because I'm someone that before I really got into sports betting, I did a lot of college basketball bracketology. And what college basketball bracketology entails is keeping up with everything very equally. I don't hone in on one or two specific teams. I don't even hone in on one specific conference because when you're doing college basketball bracketology, you're trying to get all 68 of those teams that make the NCAA tournament feel correctly. So the game between East Tennessee State and Sanford while it directly affects those two teams and maybe the race for the SOCON title and everything like that. What else is being affected? Teams that played them out of conference, how that affects their computer numbers. Say that East Tennessee goes from it from what was at the time an RPI of a 102 to a 99. That's a top 100 RPI win for another team that affects their ratings. And it's all essentially an interwoven web. And thus, it's one of those things where I'm really not honing in on 
oh, I've got to see if the Packers are doing this and that, even though I'm from Wisconsin. So I'm not just paying attention to them, but I'm paying attention to how that Packers game affects things moving forward, how all these injuries and these waiver wire deals are all interlinked, how Demarius Thomas going from the New England Patriots to the New York Jets shakes out for the Patriots, how it shakes out for the Jets, the defenses that are going to be facing these teams and everything like that. So it's one of these things where I just take a look at everything from a broad view rather, rather than trying to go with a narrow approach on just a few select teams. Does anything differ from you from a money line sport like baseball to a spread sport like college basketball or the National Football League? Uh, it certainly does, because one of the things I do, no matter what the sport is, I try to mitigate the juice. You'll notice this with a lot of my plays. If you follow me at GNRScore81, whenever you get like a really, really narrow spread, like right now, the Minnesota Vikings for the Green Bay Packers, for example, the Vikings are a short underdog at some points during the week. You could get three. I'm seeing a lot of two and a halfs right now. This is a spot where instead of laying the minus 110, because I have a very good feeling that the Vikings are going to be able to win this game, which pains me being a Green Bay Packers fan, but that's just the outright truth and how I see it. It's one of those things where you go for that little bit of a plus, plus price rather than going with the points. But at the same time, you have to evaluate the game. Not only do the Patriots have to win the game, but they have to win the game and try to win it by three touchdowns as we're seeing the spread right now. So it is one of those things where you have to evaluate more or less the total a little bit more in these NFL college basketball games, whereas in baseball, you just have to pick the winner, which obviously means that you're looking a little bit more as to the how the game is going to be played, not just the narrow view. Oh, this team has more talent. For sure, man. And you said something, um, you know, talking about that Browns line, and I know you do so many contests out there. Uh, what is your kind of position? Of course, the super contest line, I believe even the, I'm not sure when the circle ones uh, lock, I haven't done that one this year, but you're looking, I think it was Cleveland minus two and a half is your philosophy on when it comes to the contest lines, as you bet every single one and you have to pick five for this. Um, you know, do you know that 90% of people are going to play that stale line? And so you stay away and just hope that it loses, or do you, you know, and even so on the other side, knowing that maybe 90% of the field gets a free win, they only get a pick four winners where you have to pick five um, or, you know, how do you kind of play the, the quote unquote stale line theory and contest? Well, when I was doing the super contest two years ago, we had a very similar situation in which Deshaun Watson went down for the Houston Texans and they were playing against the Colts. The Colts were getting a bunch of points. The line sinks by like nearly a touchdown. I was just all aboard the Colts in that spot. It's just one of those situations where if you see value in a line, it doesn't shake out with your numbers. Why should you be taking the other side? Because value is a situation where it has to cash for there to be value. Preach. I mean, granted, you're if you're going to take the New York Jets, you have to be confident that they're going to be able to win this game outright. It's not one of those things where, well, if I get really, really lucky, I'm going to get a game up on everyone. That only works if they actually win this game, which with a line of two and two and a half, Let's face it, this game is probably not going to be landing on one. Let's just be honest here. So it's one of these situations where you want to be picking winners. You don't want to be picking value, especially in a contest where you have to be hitting at 60 plus percent just to have any hope of making the money. Yeah. Uh, famously, me, Sean and Ryan two years ago hit 60% in the super contest did not cash. And then I thought, man, why are we doing this? What are we doing this for at 60% doesn't cash in, but it's all game theory. It's everything like that. Lastly, when you were talking about, you know, hitting those openers for NFL, man, I want to ask you this. Cause I, um, I go back and forth with it. Yes. If I feel a line is kind of, um, off, I will absolutely hit openers. You can catch me at the win on Sundays, all that type of stuff. But I think there are certain situations where it is more advantageous for you to employ some game theory and know where the public 
public or at least, you know, try to predict where the public is going to come in on and play, you know, as close to kick as you can let the general public beat up on a favorite. If you want that underdog, is that something you'll also do is kind of wait as quick, as long as you can for, you know, a gross home dog or, or whatever the case may be. Oh, absolutely. I posted out my initial plays for this NFL week two on Wednesday. And it was one of those situations where I feel like I had about half my picks locked in and I was waiting on half of them because like you said, I'm all aboard the New England Patriots this week. I knew that right when that line was going to come out, public money was going to be hammering the New England Patriots. So I want to get that best line humanly possible. If I'd be on the Miami Dolphins, I'd be waiting as long as possible on that line, seeing how far that comes down. Now, are you going to see the Miami Dolphins at 21? I think it's doubtful, but at the same time, what do you have to lose between 18 and a half and 19? Because let's face it, if the Miami Dolphins are going to cover this game, it's probably not because of the difference between 18 and a half and 19. The difference is going to be from the opener of like 16 and a half or so to where it, where it closes at, which I think is probably going to be right in that realm, maybe a 19 and a half or a 20. I don't think it gets to 21, but I do think that it's one of those situations where if you like a public team, like I do with the New England Patriots, you jump on it right away. If you like an underdog, just keep on waiting. For sure, man. National Football League can be absolutely crazy. I think that week two is often overreaction week. This is, you know, if you look at the trends and data, traditionally, this is the best uh, weeks two and three are the best weeks to blindly fade the public. There are a lot of Road favorites this week and some, you know, some, some narratives out there. The last question I really did want to ask you when it comes to NFL volume, Benny, before we break down this slate with you is, you know, what do you do when you just can't find a, a lean? You can't, you know, you just don't know you're stumped. Do you feel, you know, kind of uh, beholden to pick every single game, no matter what, because that is your style. Or do you have, you know, sometimes where you just leave one or two off the board because you have absolutely no idea, or you kind of, I don't say a slave to your own system, but do you feel like you have to do it? One of those things that I like to do is when I think that there is a situation where I've got no idea what's going to happen. For one, you take a look at the line moves. You try to see where things are coming in, everything like that. I'm not one of those people that, oh, 85% of the money is here, 81% of the tickets, because I find that a lot of the information that's given out in, perc in percent of the tickets and everything like that, it can be very faulty. And it's really, really hard to be able to attain that information, which I think that that's a little bit of paralysis by overanalysis as well. But what is for sure is, the, the way that like the wind moves from two to two and a half, that is actual tangible data. So there is that. And then I do try to dig a little bit deeper because even though I may not necessarily have the best grasp on a game, doesn't mean that the book does as well, because what we all think is that the book has the exact same feel on let's say Patriots versus Dolphins as they do on the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans with the Jacksonville Jaguars trotting out their Gardner Minshew. I don't think that that's the case at all. I think that just like betters, books have a little bit more of a handle on some games than others, which is why they're able to trap betters on some games. Meanwhile, in other games, they're throwing out their sort of a generic line, just hoping that they're getting get 50, 50 action. So I do think that there are some situations with the books are in, in a little bit of a similar situation to the players in that a game is hard to be able to dissect. And by going through and doing a little bit more of that data mining, I find that I actually get a little edge in those toss games. 
the why is always more important than the what, man. And, and as I always say on this podcast, however, the handicapper that we bring on um, handicaps, that's how we're going to kind of drive this show, man. And with you, that means every single side in total. We're not going to spend, of course, as much time on deep diving into, you know, situational spots where whether it be analytical handicappers, fine. So we talk about it for a long time. We're going to kind of go through this late, man. Of course, we're going to admit this as this will be um, be out Friday morning. So the Thursday night game we do not have to hit on. But let's talk about it, man. Give me your thoughts as you're going to bet every single one of these Arizona Cardinals head to the Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, of course, off that minus, you know, off that incredible run of, you know, I don't know if that was more an indictment of the Dolphins or, you know, a buy on the Ravens. Lamar Jackson has come crashing down uh, in the MVP odds. Again, that does have a lot to do with liability. I'm here to tell you that is a very real thing. That is not a pure odds that has to do with uh, specific books in Vegas and their liability that they've taken, I believe it was a hundred to one at open. So that's, uh, don't read as much into that line move as these are all very fluid things as are the Heisman odds. Total sitting at 46 and a half Ravens minus 13 and a half here, man. Um, a quick hitter. I'll lead off. I just want to, this to me, look, the Ravens were the best narr- or the best storyline in the off season. No one talked about. And I say that because one of two things were going to happen. I talked about this with, of course, James spread investor when we did, I, uh, probably three shows ago talking about kind of the uh, narratives and outlooks of the NFL season. One of two things happen. They run the Madden 07 running gun with Michael Vick Jr. They break the league, and this all of a sudden is the Kansas City Chiefs 2.0, but I don't think that they get the credit they deserve for literally changing their team philosophy from defense, run the ball, to airing it out every play and building a team and building a system around Lamar Jackson. And I'll say this to the day I day. Uh, Josh McDaniels did not get enough the credit he deserves for building his offense around Tim Tebow. And I still believe if somebody did it, Tim Tebow, you know, should have had a second chance. And again, I'm not trying to compare Lamar Jackson to Tim Tebow, but philosophically you need to kind of tailor your team and your system around what you have, if that's your guy. So, um, let's talk about it, man. Ravens minus 13 and a half again, total 46 and a half. What are your thoughts? This is a spot where I think that we're overreacting to both of these teams. So many people look at the run that the Arizona Cardinals went on in the fourth quarter against the Detroit Lions. I think, Oh, Kyler Murray is going to be a great NFL quarterback and everything like that. And at the same time, he's surrounded by an offensive line that let's face it. A lot of these guys probably should not be starting in the NFL. David John, nice running back, Larry Fitzgerald, a great wide receiver, but it's situations where I don't think that they have the tools to be successful. But at the same time, with the Baltimore Ravens, whenever Lamar Jackson's looked good, it's against a bad defense. This Miami Dolphins team is one of the worst teams I've seen in a long time. That's why I've laid the number right with the New England Patriots. I think that this is a situation where the Baltimore Ravens are going to be able to win this game. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm high on Cliff Kingberry. I'm not high on Kyler Murray, but I'm also not high on Lamar Jackson. But I do like this Ravens defense. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game that the Ravens are going to win. But I think that 13 to 13 and a half. A little bit too rich for my blood. I took the points with the Cardinals and I looked at this thing under. Oh man, we're going to disagree a little bit there. I think the over um, maybe actually be a play of mine. I, I think that this is, look, we saw Kyler Murray play three awful quarters and then we saw him play one great one. And this is one where I just don't know. Um, I do think that there is, you know, this could be, you know, a, a 40 to 30 game just because I'm not sold on this Baltimore defense at this point yet. Um, but I certainly understand your take there. All right. So you're going Arizona and the over for uh, under 46 and a half. Uh, next San Francisco heads to their back-to-back, the dreaded back-to-back road spot, a blind bet proposition of about 94% with a blind bet against for me, this narrative starts and ends there. And I'm going to do it with every team on a back-to-back uh, road situation in week two, Cincinnati laying a point and a half total sitting at 45. Where are you thinking with this one? I think that this is a really tight situation. And with the San Francisco 49ers, 
it's a really a horse apiece. I like what I'm seeing on the defense. I still have my questions with Jimmy Garoppolo and this offense. I love Greg Kittle, but I think that we're underselling Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton in the playoffs has been a hot mess. He's absolutely awful, but Joe Mixon, a very talented running back. And we saw Andy Dalton against the Seattle Seahawks on the road. Look actually very good pass for over 400 passing yards. He did a very good job against a defense of the Seattle Mar- of against the Seattle Seahawks said, let's face it. The secondary is not what it once was. This is not the Legion of boom. But at the same time, I do think that the Cincinnati Bengals are the team that I'm going to be taking here just because they do have that home field advantage. The San Francisco Giants are having to travel from the West Coast, and I do think that that gives the, the Bengals a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, San Francisco is staying on the road for what it's worth, but I'm 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 with you just because of the back-to-back road narrative that I will never go against in Week 2. The LA Chargers head to Detroit. Chargers laying 2.5 on the road. This is Wong Teaser heaven in my estimation here. Detroit, uh, the total sitting at 47.5. Um, this is going to be a very public side, I think, with a short road favorite in the Chargers. Uh, you know, look, the Chargers every single year seem to be the you know a public darling. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, Eckler has looked great. Um, I don't know what that means for Melvin Gordon. Stafford also, you know, chucking the ball forty-five times. I don't know how long that shoulder can hold up there. Uh, but where you look at man, again, Chargers minus two and a half total, sitting at a nice forty-seven and a half. Yep. I'm right there with the public. I went with the chargers. I made sure to get that two and a half instead of laying a three or anything like that. This is a spot where I've just got to be taking a look at the chargers. I just feel like they have more talent in general. We know that Melvin Gordon's out Derwin James is injury is really going to hurt the chargers down the line, but I just don't see it in the spot because Matt Patricia just doesn't impress me as a head coach. The lions defense in general has had a lot of turnover. I mean, Zika Zeke Lanza is no longer with the team. He is now over there in Seattle. You've had a lot of turnover in recent years. The secondary is okay, but I have a lot more faith here in Phillip rivers than I do again than I do in Matthew Stafford. And this is a spot where I've just got to be taking a look at the chargers with less than a field goal. Yeah, man. I don't know if I can get on, on but I think that my play on that one would be a, a nice Detroit t- uh, lions uh, Wong teaser, but um, mm, that one to me, I, I really don't have a play on. I, I can't make sense of that line and I don't love being with the public. So let's go to the next one. Minnesota heads to green Bay, green Bay, uh, probably my favorite first half play of the week last week with the new offense that truthfully didn't look great, but the second fastest uh, defense in the NFL in my estimation looked amazing. Green Bay is laying two and a half. <laughs> Far different than the look ahead with a total sitting at 44 and a half. Uh, to me, look, the cheat sheet on the on the Vikings and Kirk Cousins specifically is very obvious. We know the record four and 24 against teams that finished the year prior with a above 500 record. Guess what? Neither Atlanta nor Green Bay did that uh, last year. So this one is a little bit of maybe an asterisk. And I want to say one other thing here that it's very uh, maybe telling. Uh, look at this. Kirk Cousins, again, 4-24 and against winning teams in his career. Everyone kind of knows that one. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers as winning teams since 2012. Five and twenty-three. Matthew Stafford in his career, eight and fifty-four. I found that absolutely amazing as I was digging through this week, looking through that kind of trend, man. So look to me. I'm a Green Bay fanboy this year. Bet on him last week. This is the that's the only way that I could look, and I would look specifically to where a first half under uh, more than the full game. But um, if we're betting every single side in total, like you are, my friend, I would go under as well. I am all aboard the under, and I'm looking at the Vikings on the money line because the big difference for this team this year is having a healthy Dalvin Cook. Love the way they looked in the preseason. I love the way the offense was humming in. We're going to see a battle of two very good defenses. The Vikings did a tremendous job of shutting down in Atlanta. 
Falcons team that has Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and all those weapons. And Mike Zimmer, just in general, is such a good defensive mastermind. And for the Green Bay Packers, they've done a tremendous job of being able to bulk up that secondary. But at the same time, the front seven seems to have a little bit of something to be desired. And I like the running game of the Vikings much more than that of the Green Bay Packers. And I do think that Kirk Cousins being in his second year in Minnesota is a big advantage as well. I just don't think that this will be the same as last year. And last year, the Vikings wound up having a tie in that game in Green Bay. If it wasn't for a couple of missed field goals, they probably win it, though. You can obviously go back to that Clay Matthews hit as well. Of course, my friend. I like this one a little bit. Jacksonville heads to Houston, where Houston's laying eight and a half at home, total sitting at 44 even. Uh, look, I am a, I think that I, you know me, man, especially in baseball, I am such a narrative guy. And how many times does a quarterback get her and, you know, somebody comes in out of nowhere and look, Mitchell was great at Washington state, man. He absolutely balled out. I know it was a spread offense. I get it. I know he didn't play, you know, the highest quality of sec defense competition, but look, what he did is nothing short of miraculous win or lose. When you talk about your first start, I know he got some run in the preseason, but this line has really bounced around a lot. It was, you know, depending on how Houston was looking, it was bouncing around, which was really unique to see. Um, again, Houston minus eight and a half total sitting at a, uh, 44. I think Jacksonville is live here. I think this could be the inception of, you know, Oh my God, the Gardner Minshaw show and, and this and that. And he becomes the story of, of front page news, rookie of the year, you name it. Um, if there's any hope for that, this is where it starts. So I would lean Jacksonville and any division game. You're always going to, if, if I don't have a lean, I'm always going to lean towards the under. Yeah, it is one of these games that is so interesting because we're either going to see very good Gardner Minshew or we're going to see very bad Gardner Minshew. And I do look at the under in this spot, but I'm going to look at the Houston Texans as well. I do like what I've seen out of Deshaun Watson. You've got so many weapons for this team as well. New Hopkins, I feel like is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I don't say that jokingly. I really love his game. And with the Texans as well, you still have that stifling front seven. Obviously you don't have Jadavion Clowney as he gets traded before the season. But I think that this is a spot in which both teams are going to struggle to score. But I think that the Texans are going to be able to have more productive drives. And I just think that with there being a little bit more familiarity with Minshew, because he did wind up having to put a lot of tape out there with the Kansas city chiefs, obviously he played a lot during the preseason because nowadays so many teams, they wind up resting their starters during the preseason. I think that the Texans are going to be able to plan accordingly. And I think the Texans are going to be able to pull this one out and cover and win by more than a touchdown. All right, man, let's talk about the game. We touched on earlier. New, I heard a rumor. I want you to see if you can confirm that because you are so much, you know, you are dialed into, um, you know, every book in Vegas is, is at your disposal, much like me. But I feel like when you're bit, trying to bet every side in total, maybe you even pay more attention to it. I heard a rumor that there was a book in Vegas that opened this about nine and a half, ten and a half. Can you confirm any of that or is that a false rumor? Which game is this in regards to? The New England and uh, Miami Dolphins game. I'm sorry. I do not know anything about nine and a half to ten and a half because believe me, if someone did, I would have hammered the Patriots. I think it might have even been a, uh, an offshore book. I thought I saw that and it just had the arrow going up like they just kept bumping it two points, two points, two points at, at basically as the Miami game was 
um, like just about over. It was before New England played it. It might have been in the window from when Miami got blown out until New England played or something like that. But it was I saw. I feel like I saw that. I didn't know if you had seen that um, as well. Again, I don't. I don't really better sure. But um, let's talk about it, man. Patriots minus nineteen right now. Miami total sitting at forty-seven and a half. I believe New England's lost what four out of five straight up. And this one's weird because as long as I remember, again, I'm a Boston guy. I grew up in Boston. Die hard. All things Boston sports that I've had to kind of put to the side. Although with New England, it's been a very profitable thing to be their fan and bet on them but um the december miami game gives them fits and i they it might be the the four out of the five is probably for those four straight to be honest with you if they if that is it i'm i can always remember the, the troy brown miraculous play in overtime all those years ago um what do you think about this? Because this is flip man usually they play in Miami in December which is the humidity they're you know broken down Miami's used to it this one has flipped a little bit, but traditionally Miami playing the Patriots playing in Miami has been a house of horrors. Tell me why you're all over New England, no matter what. I just took a look at that game against Baltimore Ravens and I see no redeeming qualities whatsoever with the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick has went from Fry- Ryan Fitzmagic to Ryan Fitz. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, it's just absolutely awful. This guy has absolutely nothing going for him right now. There are agents of these players on the Miami Dolphins recommending that their players get traded. And the New England Patriots defense against the Pittsburgh Steelers looked as good as it was when they had that initial run, when they won all those Super Bowls in the early 2000s, when you had guys like Teddy Bruschi in there. And then you also had Richard Seymour guys of that ilk. I, they look that good right now. This is a complete team. You've got Tom Brady firing on all cylinders. You've got a balanced offense. You've got so many weapons. And now you bring in their Antonio Brown. I mean, you've got Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown with possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. And Tom Brady going up against a team that's tanking. That is why I am all over the Patriots. I wound up taking this on the opener at 16 and a half. I would still play at a 19 personally. Yeah, man, you're not going to get me to be to bet against Miami. Maybe professionals get involved at 21 plus. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think you treat this like Alabama in a blowout spot. Maybe play some Patriots first quarter, some Patriots first half, some team total stuff. Um, but I can't get involved cider total wise in this one. I will say though, since 2003, when Patriots are double-digit favorites on the road, the second half under is 10-0, and 0, and so that's going to be my angle to attack in this game pretty much no matter what. Buffalo heads to the Giants, and they are staying in New York. Of course, Buffalo playing in New York, technically a road game, so Buffalo, I guess, technically qualifies for this back-to-back road spot, uh, but they're staying in New York, so I, I'm not even going to count it on this one. Uh, to me, look, uh, I like fading Buffalo off a win. I like you, the you know how bad the Giants looked and, and Buffalo's huge comeback, this and that. Um, I'm sure that stock. I think giants make a good Wong teaser league, uh, leg as well. And again, um, there are no weapons on this field. So you're going to get me to go under that 43 and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I think that it's going to be very, very tough to be able to look at this thing over. And I do think that you do have some weapons out there on the field, but at the same time, those weapons might be weapons of being able to not let you cash the over. So I think that it's one of these situations where you got to be taking a look at the under in this spot. And I just don't see any way that this game goes over. So I'm right there with you. 
All right, man. Seattle heads to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, minus three and a half point favorites at home. Look, let's talk about both these teams looked really bad. I know Seattle escaped with a win, but Cincinnati, some people thought, even including myself, that they could rival Miami for, to be the worst team in football, especially without A.J. Green. Look, we know the difference between road Ben Roethlisberger and home Ben Roethlisberger. So to me, this is, if you ask me to pick a, a total combination on one game that is my favorite, Pittsburgh minus three and a half in the over 46 and a half. I think both offenses get going. And I think Pittsburgh kind of finds their way and the this is over, blow it up train uh, kind of, you know, they stay on the on the tracks for one more week. And um, that being said, though, I mean, Russell Wilson, as soon as you're talking about getting close to 10 points, I believe he's lost one game in his career by more than that. So a little middle opportunity there, maybe take some Pittsburgh minus three and a half, some Pittsburgh uh, minus three, minus 120, some some money line, and then look to come back on a nice teaser leg getting, you know, across a couple key numbers there with Seattle. But um. Side and total straight, Pittsburgh and the over for me. What do you think? Now, I'm 50-50 with you on this one. I'm looking at this total under just because the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, it's going to score more than three points on the Seattle defense than it did last week. But at the same time, I do like the Seattle Seahawks defense. And at the same time, I just really have a tough time investing in the Seattle Seahawks offense as well, because without Doug Baldwin, you really don't have a lot of weapons for this team. Tyler Lockett did not look good at week one. I just think that all in all, he's a guy that's a little bit of a deep threat. He really can't be much of a possession guy that this team can rely upon. The running game of the Seattle Seahawks is nice, but that chews up a lot of clock as well the Pittsburgh Steelers, a pretty solid team at being able to shut down the run. I think the Steelers should be able to pull this one out by a touchdown. So I wound up laying the three here with the Steelers. I do think that Ben Roethlisberger and company do get going. And I think that this is a Steelers defense that is much improved from last year when they were trying to cope with the loss of Ryan Jay's year. So this is a spot where I look at the Steelers and the under. We have a divisional underdog matchup here. Indianapolis plus three heading to Tennessee, 10 a.m. kick out here in Vegas. And I want to say this, Ben, this is uh, one of the craziest things I've seen out there, um, this one, uh, this was up to date September 7th. So I believe right before week one, um, divisional underdogs are 17 and four in their last 21. That is pretty crazy. Um, I mean, you look at what happened last week, Redskins plus 10 cover bills plus three cover, uh, giants. I did giants cover week one. Uh, no, no, and, they did not. And Raiders outright. So let's add three. They are 20 and five in their last 26 years games. That is absolutely incredible to me, or I'm sorry, last 25 games. Um, you want to buck the trend uh, again, Tennessee minus three at home total sitting at a 44 and a half. Tennessee looked magnificent, magnificent against the Cleveland Browns, but I just have a tough time with Marcus Mariota. He just is so inconsistent from week to week. You don't know what you're going to get. Meanwhile, from the Colts, the only starter that they lost from last year was essentially Andrew Luck. Jacoby Brissett when he was starting two years ago, he was traded for days before the regular season. Now he's been in the system for two years. The Indianapolis Colts have now invested in him with a contract extension. Marlon Mack looked absolutely tremendous against the San Diego against the Los Angeles Chargers. I still do that. I'll put a dollar in the kitty or whatever for that. But with that said, this is a spot where I do look at the Indianapolis Colts. I do think that they're going to be able to bear down. I think it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game as well. I'm bullish on this Colts defense. I think that the Titans defense coached by Mike Brabel going to be very good as well. This is a spot where I look at the under and I think the Colts pull this one outright. I'm looking at the money line. 
All right, man. Let's talk about the heaviest bet public side of the week. And of course, Dallas on the road at Washington, Dallas. This lines up a little bit. I believe opened up minus four, minus four and a half and a total sitting at 46. I have some, some couple of things for you. Cowboys currently 86% of the bets line up to minus five because of that at Redskins, a the heaviest bet road favorite in the NFL uh, normally doesn't really turn out well. And again, traditionally the best time ever to bet against the public. Uh, I don't want to say blind, but is basically weeks one to three things tend to even out after that. Uh, but this line just is something is up here, I guess. And I want to say one more thing. Dallas first quarter unders on a 10 and O run um, on the road. So uh, Definitely would lean towards the under here. And look, I can't take 86% of a favorite on the road. And maybe that's a lazy take from me. I just can't do it. Um, it looks too good to be true in those situations. Sometimes it is, uh, despite what I may have made the line for this and all that type of stuff. What are you thinking here? I would rather be a rich square rather than a poor sharp. This is a spot <laughs> yeah. where, I mean, it's one of these situations where I don't know where they came up with this line. I actually do like Case Keenum. I feel like Case Keenum gets a little bit of a bad rap. When he was with the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years ago, was he lighting the world on fire? And was he the second coming of Joe Montana? No, but at the same time, he did enough to get the Vikings into a deep playoff run. He did a solid job. But with that said, you now have guys out of the fold for the Washington Redskins. This defense looked good in the first half and the second half, they completely wiltered and with the Dallas Cowboys. Despite the fact that Ezekiel Elliott spent the entire offseason in Cabo, he looked sharp. I really like the way that Gallup was able to get 140 plus receiving yards for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott is firing on all cylinders. I know the track record of divisional dogs and everything like that. I just don't think that this is a dog that'll bark. I know that the public is all over the Cowboys, but it's one of these situations where I want to take the Redskins. I just can't do it. I understand, man. And again, I just want to read this tweet to kind of explain what I was saying. Most profitable time to bet against the public in the NFL. The past 10 seasons in weeks one through T one through three teams getting less than 50% of spread bets have gone 238, 190, and 10 for 56% against the number. Again, week two, 82, 58 for 14.1 ROI. And again, assuming a $100 unit, you're looking at about two grand. So again, take what you want out of that. I just wanted to explain the data a little bit. Um, is public bet percentages something you ever take into account or absolutely not? Not really. I just look at my own my own handicapping. But what I do look at is the line moves. You always want to be able to get the most favorable lines on your own plays. And you have to figure into what the public is going to bet. Like we all know that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be hammering this line. We all knew that the public was going to be hammering the New England Patriots and everything like that. That's why I acted right away on those lines. Like I am all aboard the Indianapolis Colts. That's a little bit less of a public side. That's one where you wait a little bit more to be able to fire that in when you've got some of these teams that they're less than sexy, like say the Jacksonville Jaguars, for example, if you're all aboard them, you wait a little bit more. And it is one of those things where the, you don't take into account the percent of tickets, the amount of money that's coming in, but at the same time you do sort of in your mind, know, okay, the public is going to be hitting this side. The public is going to be hitting this side. The public wants absolutely nothing to do with this side. So it is something that I guess you could say I figure in, I just don't figure in the exact metrics. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I, I'm the same way, man. It's a box that I check in and maybe it'll keep me off again, but I'm not, I'm not really a blind get a uh, blind bet against or, or blind bet on based on public bet percentages. I want, I do want to ask you this because you said that you do take line movement into consideration. If on Sunday, this, this line dropped to uh, Dallas minus three, what would you do with the ticket? 
that you currently hold? Right now, I would just stick with my bet personally. I'm one of those people. I don't like to double fire on a side. Sometimes you're going to get the best of the number. Sometimes you're going to get the worst of the number. That's all about handicapping. And you just adjust from there because you want to be getting the best closing line value possible. But at the same time, just because the line dips a little bit doesn't mean that you want to double your risk because the difference between three and four, four and a half, it is pretty significant in the NFL, but at the same time, how many of those games actually come down to that extra point, point and a half? Not enough for me to be able to risk double what I normally do in a game. So it's one of those situations where I'll just stand pad if we do see that line move. Completely agree, man. All right, we're going to break down the late slate and everything else coming up on primetime. But before we do that, as always, guys, the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network presented to you by mybookie.ag. Football season is back, and they have all your betting needs covered. And again, besides their wide selection of bets, they're also offering up to you $1,000 in bonus bets for your first deposit. Use that promo code SGP. Play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. And we're also bet to you by, brought to you by BetQL. If you want an advantage over Vegas this year, there's only one app that you need, and that is the BetQL app. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download BetQL. And make sure, as always, you give them a follow on Twitter at BetQL app. All right, man, late slate. We're bringing it home here. First late game. I say late, one o'clock out here for us in the desert. A KC off a back-to-back uh, -back road spot here. This is where I got to lean heading to Oakland 53. I want to short this Oakland team off a win. Uh, I can't do it. I have to play the numbers blind. That's me. You know me, man. I'm a trend better and I got to play it every single time and, and I'll live and die with it. So I got to lean Oakland uh, plus the eight and I got to go over the 53 because neither defenses can stop anybody here. So what are your thoughts on it? This is a spot that I think is so interesting because I was all aboard the Denver Broncos in week one against the, against the Oakland Raiders. And obviously the Raiders were able to pull this one out, but I am going to be back in the chiefs. Now, the big question that you have is Patrick Mahomes' injury, but he looked very good despite the injury against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I do like. And I do think that this is a game that's going to trend under. I just don't think that Derek Carr is going to come out 16 of 17 again. I don't have the chiefs don't have the greatest defense in the world. They have revamped it a little bit though. So I do think that that's a little bit too high right there. But with that said, with the Kansas City Chiefs currently at a seven, I'm going to just hope and pray that this gets down to six and a half. That way a touchdown is a winner. But with that said, I just have to take the better team in the spot. The Kansas City Chiefs are what I'm all aboard. I feel like the Oakland Raiders really came out with a lot of motivation. And I will also say this, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing both of their games on the road to begin the year. I know that that has not necessarily been a recipe for success, but we saw the Kansas City Chiefs early on in the year last year buck so many trends as well. That seven that you just mentioned, is that painted across the board in Vegas as I look right now? At, uh, I'm trying to find it at Westgate. Yeah, it is. That's Yep, oh, right that's, now seeing seven across the board. Yeah, me too. That's the, There's some differences between that line and the offshore world, I'll tell you that, because I'm looking at a couple eight to uh, a little bit above that. So if you want a nice little middle opportunity over that key number, go do your homework because it's out there for sure. That's crazy. All right, man. Chicago heads to Denver. We're looking Chicago, two and a half point road favorite. This is the second most heavily bet uh road favorite of the day. Denver's uh, total sitting at 40 and a half. Um, I'm not sure how Denver scores on the Chicago team. Green Bay couldn't do it. And we all know how high I am in Green Bay and what their offense will become. So look, oh, I can't get on board with the public. I'm going to go Denver money line and I'm going to go under the 40 and a half. Your thoughts. 
I am right there with you because the Denver Broncos early on the year, how many times do we see it where they're a home underdog and they prevail because that elevation messes with so many teams and the reports of Mitchell Trubisky regressing. Weren't they so true in week one? I will say you got to give some credit to the Gary Bay Packers defense. That secondary is very much bulked up, but I mean, Joe Flacco didn't really look good at week one, but I do like the running game of the Broncos much more than that of the Chicago bears. Now the Chicago bears, obviously do, do a better job of running it, but let's not sell, sell this Denver Broncos team short as well. You've got Bradley Chubb and Von Miller out there. Those are two of the nastiest guys out there in the NFL. I think that would be a game in which it's going to take the NFL offenses back to the dark ages. I think that in the end, the Denver Broncos pull out a very low scoring game. Yeah, man. And look, I've said this. This is why Green Bay was my biggest bet week one in the NFL. Green Bay built their team to set the edge, contain Trubisky and make him beat them from the pocket. Well, guess who has, you know, Denver has on their uh, defensive line. It's going to be the same thing. I think a first half under makes so much sense, much like it did in Green Bay as well. So I am right there with you, man. We are lockstep. The Saints head to the Rams. Rams sitting at a minus three home favorite uh, total sitting at a to me, this seems a little bit low, man. I, th- I think we're, we're forgetting who these two teams are and kind of the letdown spot of the Super Bowl hangover the Rams were on last week. I hate to sound shock here, but I got to go Rams minus three in the over. I think that this is going to be another one of those fun games. I'm all aboard the Rams as well, and I'm all aboard the over because what defense stops the other team? I just really don't see it with either of these defenses. I know that you've obviously got Aaron Donald, the Rams. I do think that the Rams are going to be able to come up with one or two more stops as a result, because they're going to get a little bit more pressure on Drew Brees than the saints are going to be able to get off. I think that you're going to see two very high flying offenses. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams get to 28 points here, but as long as the Rams are laying a field goal or less all board, the Rams is right now I'm seeing between one and a half and two across the board in Vegas. I think that that's a very good line. And I would jump on that right now before it jumps back to three, man, the offshore world is not catching up with these line moves as I look across this board. And again, of course I'm looking at my bookie, but that's some big differences out there for sure, man. And, and that's crazy to see. Lastly, Sunday night football, Philadelphia heads to Atlanta. And I think this is going to be the other head scratcher for the public Philadelphia, um, right around this line's kind of bounced around as well. Minus one, minus one and a half, um, road favorite in Atlanta. This line has gone back and forth, um, between who was favorite, obviously public making their sentiment known, making Philadelphia a road favorite. Now total sitting at 51 and a half. Ah, man. Oh, I go back. I hate this line. That's all I have to say because I know 80% of the public are on Philadelphia in a bailout game on a road favorite. And I don't know if I can do that, but in, especially with the over, um, but I will say I do like that over. Um, and look, Atlanta, I'm going to go with Atlanta. I'm going to play a little contrarian here. Um, Atlanta has been traditionally very good in this situation, in this spot at home as that underdog. So I'm going to go with Atlanta and the over. I do like the Falcons in this spot as well. Matt Ryan just plays vastly different at home than he does on the road. I don't know how, and I don't know why I do feel like there's a little bit of untapped potential with this Falcons defense as well. They've invested a lot of first round picks into there. I think it's going to be able to come out in spades and for the Philadelphia Eagles. I just didn't like what I saw early in that game against the Redskins. It just felt like they were a little bit lackadaisical and Carson Wentz has been all sorts of banged up in recent years as well. I just think that the Eagles are a little bit of a slow starting team that the Falcons are going to be able to get them at home in this one. So I'm going to be going all aboard the Falcons money line in this one. And I'm going to take this game under as well. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than a lot of people think. 
All right, man, let's finish this up on a line that has exploded. Of course, Sam Darnold out with Mono kissing who knows what with who knows who. Cleveland, a six and a half road favorite after being uh, destroyed on the road. I mean, let's talk about it. Destroyed against Tennessee, man. And I don't look if they don't get this win. I think that the sky is falling. It's the same old Cleveland Baker Mayfield. I mean, you talk about how much of a back against the wall must win this is. And this is, I believe, Trevor Simeon. Um, coming in for the Jets. And so, look, I've never really seen more of a must-win situation in week two in recent memory than this one for Cleveland. So I know I'm picking against a stale line um, in philosophy, not something I would want to do. And again, I believe week one or week two, um, maybe a little bit later, there was a third, no, it had to been later because it was Thursday night football. And one of my bigger bets of the Thursday night football season was over nine and a half punts between these two teams when they were both awful. <laughs> Obviously, things have changed a little bit here, but maybe not. Um, what are you thinking here? Cleveland's minus six and a half, total sitting at 44. I got to tell you, I have no idea here. This is one in which I just, even with this line, I would be looking at the Cleveland Browns. I locked in the Browns at minus two, not knowing the Sam Darnold news and everything like that. And I took this total over. And I still do think that there's a good chance that this game goes over because the Jets in general are just a team that I am not very bullish on with regards to their defense. I will call it putrid. The Bills should have scored a whole lot more points on them than they did last week. But Josh Allen was hurt by two interceptions that really bounced off the wide receivers hands or else they would have scored a whole heck of a lot more points. I think the Browns really take it to them. I think the Browns win by multiple touchdowns in this spot. Trevor Simeon, a guy that I can't trust him, but at the same time, the Browns defense does leave a little bit to be desired as well. So I'm going to be sticking with the bets. I fired in before knowing the same Darnold news over and the Browns. My man, we broke through the slate and uh, this one, this episode maybe took a little bit longer, but again, we're going to, whatever handicapper we bring on, we're going to go by their style. But one last thing that we have to get to, as always, the people know a best bet consensus, you do side and total. So you're going to have to ask two out of you, man, either your favorite side and your favorite uh, total for our consensus best bet for NFL week two on the inside Vegas podcast. Give it to me. Well, I now really love my Browns minus two, but obviously that's a line that nobody's going to be able to bet right now. But with that said, in regards to something that you can get right now, still all aboard the chargers at minus two and a half or so, depending on where you look, it's bouncing around. But I think the chargers really should be able to take it to the Detroit lions in this spot. I think that this is a very good. This is a very good spot to be able to get a Lions team that, let's face it, they just completely blew that game against the Arizona Cardinals. I have no faith at all in Matt Patricia. I think the Chargers have too much talent with Eckler and company being able to step up. And then with regards to my favorite total, this one is a little bit tougher, but I really do think that this Denver versus Chicago game is going to stay under. I don't see how either team gets to 20 points in this one. It's just one of these games in which I think it's going to take football back to the dark ages. I think the Broncos are going to be able to pull it out because of a little bit of a better running game, but both these defenses are sick, nasty and both these offenses. Well, they just looked absolutely sick without the nasty in general, man. Cannot thank you enough. As always tell everyone where they can find you. Um, again, you do so much stuff in the space, man. So I want to give you the floor, plug yourself, of course, your Twitter or where anyone can hear your podcast, because let's face it, man, you are a very busy man in Vegas. So again, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to talk with me and where people can find more of you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at you, and then you can find my podcast MLB overtime betting. 
That's gold with Steve Heitner, along with College Hoops Overtime Betting on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We are on all the platforms. I think you can catch me on the Vegas Heads and Information Network Thursday through Sunday. I'm typically on about noon to two every one of those days, and on the weekends, more around 11 to three. So I am a man that I get sleep about 45 minutes a day every day. So don't worry. I'm getting in my daily 45 minutes. <laughs> Again, buddy, thank you so much. Again, I just did um, MLB overtime betting uh, with you, breaking down the MLB slate. So I'm sure people will see us talking soon or be able to listen to it at least, man. So thank you so much for taking the time again. We'll talk soon. All right. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Mm-hmm.